Thank you. Now, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. We're working through really seeing the gospel promised in the Old Testament and how it connects us to Jesus and, and then how that, as we see the gospel, sends us out into the world with resources that Israel at times had but didn't believe or didn't have because we have something better in Christ. And so as we, we are now going to camp with Israel on the edge of the promised land in the, the land of Kadesh, they are right on the verge of receiving God's promises and they snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, <laughs> as one pastor put it, right? They, they just blow it completely. And so this is a, there are comforting passages in the Bible, and there are, um, I guess I said that backwards, right? Snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. There we go. I knew I was going to do that. Um, but this is a warning passage of saying, look at the human heart. Israel's here as a mirror so that we would not desire evil as they desired as uh, yeah, to, to help us in our journey to, to lean more deeply into the resources we have in Jesus. And so let's, we're going to read this passage and we'll see Jesus together. It's, this is the word of our God, Numbers 13, 25. Uh, Moses has sent the spies out and now they've returned. Uh, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, 
The land which we pass through to spy it out, it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And this is the word of our God. He has spoken to us today, and the scriptures tell us, if you've heard his voice today, let, it, let you not harden your heart like Israel did here in this passage. May it lead us to faith and repentance instead. Uh, let's, let's pray. Our Father and our God, we understand Israel's fear. Um, we, we are an anxious people. Uh, sometimes life feels like we're coming up against giants, and so we need to see Jesus, our champion, our, our, our leader, our the one who loves us, whose power is great enough to even overcome our unbelief. And so, may you speak to us, may your spirit preside over us, that we might hear your voice, rejoice, uh, believe, and trust you, that we right now, by faith, may enter into your rest. And so for that to happen, Lord, uh, we, we need to have this spiritual experience today. Uh, that you would change us with the power of the gospel. And we, we ask you to do that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we've been camped out in the wilderness with Israel, it's, it's really helpful to think of the, this is a metaphor for the Christian life, that you and I, following Jesus, are pilgrims uh, from that journey of being enslaved to sin and death uh, towards the promised land, uh, the new heavens and new earth. Right? Israel's inheritance was this little tiny plot of land uh, in, in the Mediterranean. Right? But in Christ, our inheritance is the cosmos, the new, the new heavens and new earth. And 
And so we're on that journey right now through many toils, tribulations, snares, difficulties, um, following Jesus on the way to what Revelation 21 calls the new heavens and new earth, uh, God's rest. Uh, and as you read Revelation 21, it's a beautiful portrait, right? Jesus is, comes down with heaven down to earth. It's going to wipe away all the tears from his people's faces. There's no more crying or mourning anymore. No more shall there be grief. No more pain or death. Right? But immediately after, it gives a list of those who are left out of this great gift. And it's fascinating. You read it, right? Like some of it's common sense, to us anyway. Right? The, the murderers don't go in. Uh, there's the sexually immoral, the liars, um, those who dabble in the occult, the sorcerers, it says. But right at the top of the list of Revelation 21, you know what, you know what it starts with? The cowards don't get in. The faithless. Right? Which is fascinating because I don't think of not having courage as being something that would keep me out of, of Jesus' gift, a new heavens and new earth, that that the, that the courage is something commanded by the living God. Right? It's, a, it's a moral character that God expects of his people. Because I know right away when I think of courage, I think of all those spiritual superheroes who, who've obeyed in difficult circumstances. Uh, I think John Patton, he's one of, always been one of my heroes, right? He, the Scottish Presbyterian minist- uh, missionary who goes to Vanuatu to preach the gospel to cannibals, to people who want to eat him. <laughs> and repeatedly has experiences of them pulling back a bow and arrow, pointing it at him, just working up the courage to, to kill him, and he would walk towards the instruments of death and say, why are you being so mean? I've been nothing but kind to you. And talk him off the ledge. Right? Courage. And I know so often we think of courage as the ability to overcome our fear and do hard things, uh, impossible things often, where you can master your, cur- your, your fear. Of course, the ultimate picture, right, would be Jesus on the night before he goes to the cross looking at the cup of God's wrath, praying with uh, sweating, drops of blood, crying, wrestling, agonizing over God's call. And he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Then courageously he says, not my will be done, but yours. Even though the weight of obedience is crushing him. And so I I share those because what what this is showing us is courage is something that God expects of his people to believe his word and take that step of faith forward. Because what is Israel doing though in our text? Right? They finally reached the edge of the promised land, God's plan to heal the world uh, through them, <laughs> to bless the nations through Israel is going to come true. That land is going to be the home base for God's promised blessing to go out into the nations, and they walk all the way up to the, ed- to the edge, so to speak. All they have to do is trust God's plan, rest in God's power, uh, believe that God will keep them safe, And instead, they panic and run in unbelief. They snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. 
It's challenging, right? To, to expect courage. All right, so think about this. What are you afraid of? We all have fears. Uh, afraid of death. Afraid of public speaking. <laughs> um, afraid because our world and, and our life is, is a mess. We don't know how the future is going to go. Um, afraid to live out the Great Commission, to go talk about our faith in public because people look at us funny. We, we, we get worried about what other people think. And over and over and over again, God says, don't be afraid, be of good courage. And so Israel's going to give us a model of what we should be by them not doing what they ought. <laughs> uh, and so what we want to ask this morning as we meditate on this together, how does the gospel form afraid people into those who believe and then have the courage uh, to believe God's word and act upon it? And so let's, let's look at this. The first point uh, is that biblical faith demands courage here at the end because if you, you look at the text, right, we've been, we've been with Israel. They, these chapters, 11, 12, 13, 14, is just Israel constantly grumbling and complaining. And um, here we are, they're about to enter in. They're about to see God fulfill a 400-year-old promise. And so... In preparation for the invasion, they do the wise thing, right? Just because God has promised his power and protection, it doesn't uh, undo the need for strategy. And so Moses sends 12 spies, 12 scouts to go up into the country. And this is verse 18, right? Go up into the Negev, go into the hill country, just look all over the land. Tell us whether the people are strong or weak, whether they're few or many. Tell us what we're dealing with here, whether the land is good or bad. Tell us that they live in tents, or do we have to take strongholds? And then verse 20, it says, Tell us whether the land is rich or poor, whether they're trees. Be of good courage, Moses says, and bring some of the fruit of the land. All right, so it's good strategy. One, there's a military conflict they're anticipating. Go figure out what you're up against. Number two, you're also supposed to go Look at, look at the quality of the gift that God is giving. Right? Look at its beauty. Uh, look at the land. Right? It's, later it's going to say, God's about giving you a gift. He's, he's going to give you fields you did not plant, houses you did not build. Look at, look at the massive harvest. Look at how abundant the fruit is. Just look at how generous God is. And so the spies went, told to be courageous. And they wandered the land for 40 days seeing its goodness, and it says they bring back a bunch of grapes that's so ridiculously big it takes two men to carry it with poles. It's a lot of fruit. And so they bring their reports, and that's the, the text that we, we picked up. And what's interesting is everybody agrees this is an amazing place, and then it all comes off the rails. <laughs> right? You got the majority report and the minority report. Uh, the, the majority say, ah, these people are huge, terrifying. They're like giants to us. We felt like grasshoppers. The, the, the cities they live in, they're like fortresses. There's no way we could ever take these things. Uh, I mean, the, archae the archaeologists have found ancient cities, and the walls were 30 to 50 foot high, um, 15 foot thick. And here are a bunch of slaves coming out of the desert, having to go up against these, this massive military technology. They, they feel inadequate. And uh, they said the people are giants. 
right? Call back to Genesis 6 with the Nephilim, whoever these mysterious, massive figures were, right? Think, think Goliath, right? Everybody in the land looked like Goliath to us. And of course, the, the great line is there is, we felt like grasshoppers and we looked like grasshoppers to them. And you know what? When I think of grasshoppers, I think of um, our boys just playing with bugs, showing off how big they are, either playing with them, stomping on them, <laughs> just showing their might, right? Well, in the ancient world, you know what the smallest edible snack was? You're on the road. You just grab a grasshopper and chomp away, get some protein. Right? And I actually read a, an argument in my research that uh, we, sh we should stop eating as much red meat and we should start supplementing with locusts and grasshoppers. So there you go, do with that what you will. <laughs> right? They feel like these people are just going to swallow us whole. That's the point. We're tiny, what are we going to do? We are not able. And so this is the portrait of God's faithless people on the edge of receiving his pro promises. But the Minori Report with Joshua and Caleb, right? It's interesting, you got 12 people going through the exact same thing that with the eyes of faith. They have the complete opposite reaction, don't they? Caleb quiets the people and says, ah, we are well able to do this. Right? Unbelief says we, we can't do it. Caleb, Joshua, especially Caleb, he's the spokesman here, says, no, with God, with us, we are well able to do this. Right? Later in 14.8, Caleb's going to say the land we, we went to, it, it's, it's fantastic. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Don't, only don't rebel. Right? You have one job. Just listen to God's voice. Don't rebel. Why? Well, don't be afraid of the people because they're like bread for us. Isn't that an interesting twist, right? Those who don't believe saying, we're going to get eaten like grasshoppers. And then what Caleb says, no, these giants, they're going to be like bread for us. And of course, if you're following the story, where have Israel gotten bread miraculously day in and day out? It's bread from heaven. They just walk out, pick it up. That's the kind of gift this, that Caleb, this is the quality of faith Caleb has, is that we can walk in and it's going to be terrifying, right? War is awful. But it's going to be like bread for us. It's just picking up and eating it because God's going to give us the victory. So don't be afraid. So there it is. Through the mouth of Caleb, through the mouth of Moses, uh, the portrait of faith or the fruit of faith shows itself in the courage to believe God's promises. Right? can add, add to the picture, Deuteronomy 31.6. Moses says, again, don't be strong and courageous, he says. Do not fear. Do not be in dread of them because the Lord your God is with you. He will not leave or forsake you. So you can hear echoes of the Great Commission. There, just go. Trust. So, let's diagnose, let's talk about what courage is. Um, Courage is the, the ability to overcome our fear and believe God's promises in the presence of our fears. Right, believing the good news, that's the portrait here. And so welcome to the battle, the everyday battle we face to believe 
and trust the gospel that we feel like grasshoppers at times. Small, weak, unable to do what God calls us to do. Or unwilling to do what God calls us to do. Right? Our vision gets obscured. Uh, people appear like giants. Right? If you're a people pleaser, that's a really good metaphor. I'm just terrified of what they think, that they're going to reject me. We say in fear to God, I can't do this, and I don't want to do this. I do not want to take that step outside of my comfort zone. And really what he hears is, you don't trust that I'll be with you. Of course, the eyes of faith turns it around. Those are the words of Caleb. Um, Look at the giants in your life. We say, we are well able to overcome because God is with us. We ought to be able to say, uh, I love the words of Isaiah here. Right? If you're a follower of God, do you not know? Have you not heard? Uh, haven't you heard these stories from the very beginning and about the very beginning? That he who sits above the circle of the earth, its inhabitants, every human being, are like grasshoppers to him. And this is the one who brings princes, rulers to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth like a vapor. Will you trust in God's power. Right, if God is that sovereign, whom do I have to fear? And so this is the portrait of courage. You have the faith to trust that God will do exactly as he promised. And courage takes that step. So I don't know what that is for you or in the moment, but uh, you know, here's some ideas. M- many of us don't feel qualified to have that awkward conversation about the gospel in public with people who are skeptical or doubting, or even more, right, the longer you live there, they just know you and you don't want to be rejected. Right? Or, right, because we, we feel like we can't persuade them. We feel like we can't change their mind. We feel like we don't have the words to say. And the correct answer is, of course, you don't have the, the perfect words to change their mind or change their heart. That's not your job. <laughs> God's promise is that his spirit will change people through us. The Holy Spirit's in that business of persuading the, the, the skeptical to change their minds. Right. Right, so this is the, the battle to believe. We hear God speak. We hear him give these promises. Because we have the Lord's pleasure, because he delights in us, we have the courage to take that step. And so the question is, what are you afraid of right now? Hmm. So, that's point one. Right? Faith demands courage. And it's, it's going to look different for each of us and depending on what we are facing and what stage of life we're at. But second, we, we look, can look at uh, the rebellion of Israel here in chapter 14. Um, unbelief spreads like a plague. Uh, as soon as they get the bad report, Israel freaks out and they all just go back to their tents and cry. And poor Moses. Um, chapter 12, it says Moses, uh, out of all the people on the earth, was the most meek. But you can also translate meek to be miserable. <laughs> he's the most miserable man on earth because of the burdens he's carrying dealing with these people. Right? And so Israel has the voice of God telling them he will give them the land. Who do they listen to? They don't listen to the ones who have courage. 
They listen to the cowards. And that's 14.1, all right? And they, they panic and say, God, you brought us out here to die. It's better for us to die in the wilderness. It's better to go back to Egypt. Let's, let's call a vote. Moses, you're out. We're going to choose a leader who'll take us back to Egypt. And it gets so intense that they're ready to stone uh, Joshua and Caleb and probably Moses and Aaron too. This is a murderous mutiny. All right. Why? What are they afraid of? Right. I mean, at, at its most basic, they're afraid to die. Even as they're willing to go back to the land of death in Egypt. But this is where this is, gets really helpful to diagnose their fears because they don't believe God will take care of them, but where does their fear lead them? Where do you go when you're anxious? They, they, they immediately run back to the idols that, they, that they're carrying with them in their heart. They want to go back to that thing that made them feel safe. It wasn't safe, but it made them feel safe. It's not rational, of course. <laughs> but isn't that what we do? Right? God, I'm afraid. I don't feel like I have the courage to, to do whatever it is you're calling me to do. And so I'm just going to turn on the TV and tap out. Maybe I'll scroll on my phone. Um, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's overwork. You know, We have these things, these places where we run, where I just can drown out everything. Right? We run back to Egypt instead of to Jesus. Right, and this is, this is what helps us see why cowardice, the cowardly, are not in the new heavens and new earth because they are the faithless. Our cowardice isn't neutral. Faced with the promise of life and victory over death by going into battle against their enemies, well, what do they decide to do? Now we'd rather run away from God because we're afraid of death. And they go right back to the slavery God, they want to go back, right back to the slavery God set them free from. Right? This is completely irrational. We talked about this last week. Look at the scouts. Right? I mean, the way they persuade people. Um, right? This is like any number of, uh, <laughs> any news show. They're trying to get people worked up. They might twist the facts a little bit just to poke at your fears. Right? They say, the land is great, the fruit is abundant, look at how huge this fruit is, it's amazing. Oh, and by the way, the land devours its inhabitants, it's a death trap. So which is it? Is it fantastic, going to help you flourish, or is it going to kill everyone that walks on the land because it's all doom and gloom? Right? See, our, our fears chase uh, reason right out the door. Because we're afraid of being left alone, we're afraid of being weak, we're afraid that God won't live up to his bargain. Right? That's unbelief. And then look what happens in verse 10. All right, Israel's in the process of running away, ready to kill those who believe. That's how irrational they are. And God comes down in the midst of the mob violence and anger and appears to Moses. And this is a public conversation where God says out loud to his people, Forget you guys. Moses, you're the man. I'm going to start over with you. All right, let's, let's make something bigger, greater out of your belief. 
Thank God for Moses. <laughs> and that's, that's where we get, again, God graciously giving Moses to intercede for God's grumbling, unbelieving people. Um, right? God, this is, listen to Moses' prayer. He said, Lord, think about your reputation in the world. It's pretty fascinating, right? When you, this is how you argue with your fears. You, you, Moses does... Uh, what we ought to do, which is to go right back to God's promises and God, God's character. He says, look, everybody knows what you did to Egypt. If you destroy them, they're got, the reputation, God, you're going to get in the world is that you are not able to overcome death, to deal with these people, to overcome sin. You are not able to be who you said you are, which is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, gracious, compassionate, as well as just, not forgiving the guilty. Right? And so what, what Moses does is he says, God, I, you are looking right now at their sin, <laughs> at their very real rebellion. Look at your promises. Look at your character. Think of your reputation. Isn't that amazing? Right? Second, then Moses prays for forgiveness calling back Exodus 34 that we looked at in the golden calf incident and says, please continue to forgive because we know you've been forgiving every single moment up until now. Don't stop being gracious. Of course, verse 20, God says, I have pardoned them. But he's also a God of justice. And the generation that left Egypt uh, is not allowed to enter into the promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua get in because of their faith. And this is the portrait of those who saw miracle after miracle coming out of Egypt. As, as it says in verse 22, they, pu they put God to the test ten times, and they did not listen to his voice. Right? Think about that portrait. God gave Israel ten commandments. Here's how you live with me. And what did he get in response? Uh, ten tests of his patience. Ten tests of his grace, demanding forgiveness. And of course, the chapter ends with another ugly picture of Israel. They, they decide, okay, we, we did something wrong, but you still want to give us this gift, right? And so they decide to go and try and take it on their own without God's presence. And they get humiliated in battle and have to retreat into the wilderness for the next 40 years. It's pretty bleak. So, what does that have to teach us as followers of Jesus? And how do we get the courage to believe like Caleb? And for that, if you've got your Bible, turn, turn to Hebrews 3. And we'll, this will lead us to, the, to Jesus here. Right, the scary thing when I read the book of Numbers, is I know I don't sound any different than them. <laughs> there's, there's moments, right, of belief for sure, but I, there, you hold up a mirror and say, man, I can see myself here. Um, in anxiety, in fear, in doubt, in unbelief, in grumbling, in complaining. And so here in the, right, in the book of Hebrews, you have the writer of the Hebrews is saying, taking this story and applying it to a bunch of Christians whose lives are hard, who, 
who are actively considering just abandoning the faith of walking away from Jesus because it feels like it was easier. So you can see the parallels here. Right? And so in, in verse 7, uh, as part of this case that Jesus is better than Moses, and Moses was pretty amazing praying for the forgiveness of these stubborn people. Right? It says, therefore, in verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation, and they, always, and they said they always go astray in their heart. They have not know, known my ways. As I swore my wrath, God says, they shall not enter my rest. And so here's the application. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it called, is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold, right, here's the command of, for faith, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all of those who left Egypt, led by Moses? Whom was, he, whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. You can hear echoes of Numbers 14, right? And so here's what, what he does. He says, all right, you have the same choice right now, today, as Israel. Will you listen to God's voice? And he gets there because David wrote Psalm 95 that he just quoted and says, God is speaking today, talking about Numbers 14. So today, every time you open the scriptures, you are hearing God speak to you. And the question is, today, you have a choice. Will you listen? Will you believe the good news that has been promised to you? Right. I know we have that question, well, when does God talk to me? Well, we're in the book of Hebrews. How does Hebrews start? Long ago, in many different ways, God spoke to his people it's Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, which would be today, <laughs> he has spoken to us by his son. So the, God's clearest communication to us is Jesus today. Right? And so, the question is, today, will you believe the gospel? Will you hear what God is saying about Jesus through his death and resurrection this is our theology of the scriptures. Every time we open God's word, this is why we say that God has spoken to us today as he shows us a portrait of the finished work of Christ, as he shows us our unbelieving hearts and calls us to believe and have the courage to trust him in the very real presence of suffering and death and our own guilt. Courage comes from hearing God's voice. 
question is, will you listen? And that's why verse 12, this comes with a caution, don't be surprised. Right? Take care that in any of us in this room, uh, take care, pay attention to make sure you do not have one of these evil, unbelieving hearts that is leading you away from the living God. You should exhort one another as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Right? It sounds like a pastor who knows people. Um, that our temptation is to just coast, uh, to not pay attention to the scriptures, to not preach the gospel to ourselves, to just cope in whatever ways work for us in the moment. And the portrait that the writer of the Hebrews is giving us, the Holy Spirit is giving us, is my heart is so dece easily deceived so that I need to hear the gospel every single day and I need to hear it from someone else, right? It's not just preach it to myself, it's exhort one another every day. That's a tall order in our individualistic, we don't spend that much time together culture, right? And, but that's what number four, Numbers 14 is here to warn us. Don't be deceived by what you want. Listen to God's voice, right? The call is to exhort one another regularly with the gospel because each and every one of us in the church is aware of the potential for cowardice and unbelief. Hmm. Which is a, a really strong argument to be in a Christian community. An intimate, vulnerable, honest Christian community. One where we confess our sins, confess our fears, confess our doubts. Okay. And so... How do you know you've heard God's voice? I mean, it seems like the, the logic of the text and the logic of numbers is that when you hear God speak, you're going to be confronted by your own sin, your own capability to just shut down and do whatever you want and ignore God's voice. Right? This is how the gospel works. It leads us to a place of humility. So, for example... Um, when the Holy Spirit came down in the Korean um, revival in the Korean Peninsula in the early 1900s, right, in Pyongyang, in North Korea, back before, before the division, the church was exploding in the early 1900s. And they tell, there's a missionary there, and we have an account of this, and he was telling a story of all these pastors and leaders were getting together uh, to, to preach the gospel to each other and make plans for the future and and the Holy Spirit showed up unannounced, unexpected, <laughs> which is a strange thing to say about pastors. But without an altar call, uh, without, without being prompted by the leaders, all of a sudden all these pastors and leaders and elders started confessing all kinds of sins. Think every flavor of failure, every kind of broken commandment. My favorite was the guy who was writing the books. He was a, he's a missionary. And he said, one of my coworkers, a fellow pastor, stood up and said, I'm not only guilty, guilty of hating that elder over there, I hate you too. <laughs> Which made him feel all kinds of warm and fuzzy. Lord, have mercy. Help me forgive you. He said publicly. And he keeps going and said, every sin a human can 
commit was confessed that night, and the missionary says it was a meeting that I had never seen before and never wished to see again unless God requires it. And, w- and they were confronted with God's voice, the deceitfulness of sin, being led to repentance, crying out for mercy. And what's fascinating is that event sp- and, and the hearing God's voice, seeing Jesus and being led to trusting in the gospel exploded in the Korean Peninsula. And what happened immediately after in world history? The Chinese invaded. The Japanese took over. The church suffered immensely. And so the church historians say the only reason we had the ability to persevere through great hardship is because God showed us our unbelief convicted us and led us to faith and repentance. And we could trust that he would keep us safe as we went through the horrors of war. And so, what about us? (laughs) What overcomes my hard heart? And, And that's where Hebrews says, right? Israel had to listen to Moses' voice, intercede for them. We have to consider Jesus, who is better than Moses. Consider Jesus who is faithful. So this is God speaking to us right now, today. Jesus said at some point before the foundation of the world, Lord, instead of striking them for their unbelief, for their disobedience, for their cowardice, strike me. Strike me for their cowardice, for their unbelief. Why? Why? Because he loves you. He wants to lead you into the promised land to give you God's rest, to be with his people. Right? And since he knows every single person in the church and the history of the world since Adam is afraid of death, that's what the writer of the Hebrews says. He became human like us. And since As children, he shared in our flesh and blood. He partook of the same thing so that through his death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who are afraid of death. Deliver them from lifelong subjection to slavery. Isn't that amazing? Put it this way. Jesus died to take away our fear of death, to give us the delight of the Father, so that you having the assurance of God's acceptance, you would have the courage to obey to know that he will be with you because you know Jesus is interceding and Jesus is better than Moses and you are more secure in Christ than Israel ever was in Moses because he is the son of God who is now sitting at the right hand and has made purifications for your sin, wiped clean. See, the writer of the Hebrews says Israel had the gospel, but they didn't believe. They had the good news but they did not believe. It says in verse 2, good news came to us just as it comes to them, but the message they heard didn't benefit them because they were not united by faith to those who listened. But we who have believed enter that rest right now. And so that's the promise that we get sent out with. Right now, if you trust in Jesus, you enter into God's rest. You don't have to You don't have to buck up and say, I got to be like Caleb. You can come honestly with your doubts and unbelief. 
and say, Lord, help me, heal me. You tell me to trust you, I'm afraid. Give me courage. Right? You, you get to rest from your evil works, as uh, the, the Heidelberg Catechism says, and begin right now a taste of what life would be like to not be afraid of death, to face the giants <laughs> that, that we have in our life. To be able to look at them and say, oh, if God is with me, it will be just like picking up a loaf of bread. Because God, through the power of the resurrection, uh, has taken away, is going to work on our fear of death. Do you believe that? You're You're given a taste, right? It's not permanent. We're surrounded by suffering all the time. But in Christ, death, sin, guilt have been overcome so that we can say, now armed with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, O Lord, if God is for us, who can be against us? And if he who gave up his only son for us, how will he not graciously give us what we need for each and every day? Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. That's what the Korean Christians figured out as they today listened to God's voice. It equipped them with great courage to face their own death. And as their neighbors saw them, right, it became this contagious thing, and the Lord used that to grow the Korean church. And now the Korean church today is, I believe, uh, the country that sends the most missionaries to the ends of the earth out of any other country. Right? God transformed them because they heard God's voice. And they heard Jesus' promise, go, I'll be with you, I will not leave nor forsake you. They believed, and the Spirit gave them courage. So, we get to say, because Christ is alive, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall, be I, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is a call yet again to believe the good news that God has promised to us, has preached to us in the person of his Son. Let's pray. Lord, I pray uh, that today, even though it's hard to see our, our weakness, uh, that we pray that you would lead us to the foot of the cross, to the empty tomb, uh, looking up to Christ who is seated on high where we are hidden uh, in him. Uh, that we would hear right now that you love us, we have your delight, uh, we have your promised spirit, we have help. And so I pray for all these things that we are anxious about, afraid about, Lord, we would know that we do not face them alone and that these would be opportunities then to to trust, to obey, to have courage, um, to believe your voice, to enter into your rest. And in doing so, Lord, I pray pray you would bless Hope Church, uh, that you would do for us what you've done for God's people of old. Equip us to be your light in a dark world uh, that we can say because we have a taste of a, a tear-free future we can tell others what Christ has done tasting death for us so that we would know we are safe and secure for all eternity and begin right now the everlasting Sabbath many more things we could pray Lord but I pray you would give us the gift of faith that leads to courage and leads to obedience in Jesus name Amen